Tim Walker Smith. The good thing is that's Kim Walker Smith. The bad thing is our our music library is so vast. See, there, there, there's there's good and bad. The, the good yeah. thing is you don't hear the same songs all over and over again. The bad thing is you don't hear the good songs. There, there, there are some Kim Walker Smith songs that I only have to access on the upcoming app, Victory on Demand. Which is like teasing you, but it's yes. it is. so cool. Yes. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's imminent, as is part four of Ray Haynes' teaching on Pentecost. Good morning. It's Reisenstein. is a special study your spouse Thursday, renewing your vows with God. And we're going to call this one together. So let's talk about the uh, word uh, Pentecost is two things, Mount Sinai, the giving of the law and that mm -hmm. whole journey. And especially it's the 50-day countdown from Passover. So it's the journey of your life. This is kind of looking to say, how do I encounter God? So, And there's a couple of events that are very significant. One is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And that happened in, in the book of Acts. And I want to unpack something just a little bit to make you think about or maybe answer a question. And again, we're this is a little again on translation stuff, so I'm not going to get too deep into it. But in Acts chapter 1, they gathered in what, what the term is an upper room. And they describe it there as a place they're staying and the small group of leaders, disciples meeting. They're making decisions and they're thinking through stuff. But this room from Acts chapter 1 is not where they're described as gathering in Acts chapter 2. And that's where the translation issue comes in. The word house in Acts 1, without going into the Greek, means house or home, place of dwelling. It's used to describe where they were sitting. Now, is this the upper room we were in in Jerusalem? Well, we were in... There the, was, there's two different the, locations for the upper room. Where the Passover was, where we were. Right. They We went to uh, a, a location. I think the one building had burned or something. And so it's we... It's probably built on top of... Yeah, so I know the whatever that big square thing that had intros mm -hmm. and outros. So that would have been that first place. Okay. So the error is people say, okay, that's where the baptism of the Holy Spirit came. That happened there. But you're talking now 120 people at least. And you're talking a pretty big crowd, too. And the word from Acts chapter 1 that talks about that little room we were in, or not little room, but room that we're in, mm -hmm. is a place where a small group would meet. But when you get to Acts chapter 2, that word is a different word. And it's usually predominantly used only when you're talking about the sanctuary or house of God, not a little room. Specifically, it speaks of the temple courtyard. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, we loved everything about Israel, but what we couldn't see was what wasn't there. And the temple is gone, so there's no temple courtyards. But if you go Google it and just take a look at what the temple courtyard looked like, there are four courtyards in the temple area. Mm -hmm. And we prayed at the at the western wall. You know, there's a separation from men and women. Mm -hmm. And even up to the front to the left, you have the priesthood and, and those that are in that. So... That's a little bit like what we're talking about. It's, it's a little bit different, obviously, in shape. But So you have four courtyard areas, a priest, Israelites, women, and Gentiles. All right, so those four areas, more than, more than enough room for 120 people to gather. So mm -hmm. the, the day of Pentecost arrives, as it had for centuries, and since the first Pentecost at Mount Sinai, when Moses received the Ten Commandments, these men, these disciples, are sitting together somewhere in the courtyard of the Israelites, most likely. And when this awesome whirring, roaring, like this rushing violent wind of a tornado blasts into the Temple Mount and into the Temple Courtyard of the Israelites... 
which is obviously filled to capacity, just like on some of those prayer times we went to, uh, because they're having Feast of Weeks celebration. And so it's absolutely full, but the Holy Spirit in voice, in fire, falls on this group of men. Uh, probably they're sitting off to themselves a little bit because they're still going through what they're going through and trying to avoid persecution. But all of a sudden, just like on Mount Sinai, he's now on Mount Zion, right with all the gathering of the people. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind. It fills the whole house, which really should be translated courtyard, where they were sitting. So it gives you a little different take when you when just by, by looking through the, the Greek in that one because you have to... The story we get in our brains when we're thinking of them being in this upper room is something happens up here, they all flood out of the room, and then people are encountering them. But actually, the, the more likely translation there is they're in this courtyard area where everybody is. And so everybody's watching the whole thing happen. Because mm-hmm. that's what happened in Mount Sinai. Everybody heard in their own language. So there's just a little breakdown for... Um, for that reality to maybe give you a little different perspective. The other question is these, there's a kind of continuation of what God's doing in our hearts and what he did with the Ten Commandments, and that's he wrote them on tablets of stone. And there's this kind of theme in Scripture of, of our hearts from stone being made to flesh or flesh being made to stone. And, you know, as a spirit-filled Christian, you know, for 30-some, 36, 37 years, yeah, we've got to see good and bad in, in every group of people. Uh, one of the great things we have at this radio station is t- tremendous relationship across uh, denominations and mm-hmm. groups yep. of Christians. Of I mean, it is, I think, one of the greatest qualities we have is that, yeah. that beautiful relationship. And we don't try to pull pull back from where we believe the truth is mm-hmm. uh, to to keep into relationship. We just love each other, and, and I think we all walk together in that. Mm-hmm. But that said... You know, there's been times where, as a spirit-filled Christian, I see spirit-filled Christians who have fallen or are living in sin, in horrible sin, and I ask myself, what in the world? How in the world can they still have, they're still speaking in tongues, they still have gifts of the Holy Spirit? You know, why, smite that one. You know, why hasn't something happened? How can you still carry Mm -hmm. that, that kind of anointing when you're clearly fallen from God? So... Long after you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, you can fall away deep into sin, but still have the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the gifts that come with it. And it's the same reason that God chose to engrave his commands on tablets of stone. There's two kinds of letters. There's letters that are written and letters that are engraved. Mm. All right? Written and engraved. The difference is that written letters are ultimately separate from what they're written on, like the ink Mm-hmm. the page yep. so, or the parchment. So the letters are of ink and they adhere to the paper and at that point they're one. But they, they start as two and they, they become one. The letters that are engraved, the letters themselves are from the same medium, the stone, on which they're written. So they're not something external. They emanate from the stone itself. Mm-hmm. And remember that scripture, I'll put my law within them, I'll write it on their hearts. I'll be their God and they should be my people. So when God does a work in us, it's literally transformative. He becomes a part of us. You can misuse any gift, use them in immaturity, use them in sin, submit them to the devil. You can walk away from your relationship with, uh, as a son into disobedience, throw away your relationship now and for eternity. All of those things are, are real. 
And so when you, if, as you engage this subject, I just wanted to just throw that out in case you've encountered some things and when you, and you get a bad taste in your mouth when you think of this because of different Christians that you've encountered. Romans 8 lays it out real simple. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The baptism of the Holy Spirit doesn't make a different kind of Christian. He fills you with his presence, empowers you with his presence, equips you with his presence, comforts you with his presence. You can just keep going on that, all right? So wrong rationalizations. This baptism is the same as the Spirit dwelling in you at salvation. I would say that's not true. It's, it's a very common one, but it, I still believe it's not true. Seeking this infilling was commanded only of the first century Christians. Also, I believe that's not true. The sin filling is only about confession and submitting your actions, meaning you can get yourself in a position where you're more or less filled. Also not true. It's, it's, it's him. And finally, the other wrong rationalization. Just because evil has been done and errors have been committed in the realm of the baptism of the Holy Spirit changes nothing. It is real and it is commanded. The baptism of the Holy Spirit with the manifestation of speaking in tongues is a promise that you should not live without. A.W. Tozier said, if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. If the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop and everybody would know the difference. Hmm. That is a core reality. So that's just a, a side trail just for those of you who may have encountered some un, unusual things. And uh, coming up next, we're going to jump into the wedding commands. Look at the Ten Commandments and our vows with God. All of this is posted at blog.victory915.com and at both the Risenstein and the Victory Facebook pages. It's a special study your spouse Thursday renewing our vows with God. It's Pentecost. Well, honey, I know one place.